Black culture feeds fashion, but fashion doesn't always feed black creatives. I mean, only 7.3% of American fashion designers are black. So McDonald's is pairing five rising black designers with five fashion insiders for career-changing mentorships and the access they deserve. Because we can do better than 7.3. Together, we can change the face of fashion. Follow their journey on Instagram at wearegolden. Statistics source from Zipia.com as of 2021. Macy's is celebrating Pride by continuing our year-round support for LGBTQ creators, brands, and causes. Top brands such as Daymoda, Leota, Skin Muse, Earth's Nectar, non-gender specific Michael Aram, and more. There's so many great options, from the most vibrant clothes to luxurious skincare to elegant home goods and so much more. Also, from June 1st through the 30th, you can join Macy's and The Trevor Project and help provide life-saving suicide prevention and crisis intervention services that support LGBTQ plus young people. Shop LGBTQ-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. This episode was recorded at Spotify Studios LA. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherston Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, Emmy-nominated actress and human rights advocate Angelica Ross talks to me about embracing her essence and turning her privilege into power. Angelica is no stranger to uphill battles, but she always faces them with grace. Throughout her career, Angelica learned that no matter the cost, staying silent is always more expensive than speaking up for what she believes in. For me to be speaking up now, I already processed the hurt. I processed the fire. And now you just see me wielding the fire without it burning me up. Well, welcome to the pod, Angelica. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for the invite. (laughs) Okay. I am so excited you're here. Let's start with telling the audience the story of when and how we met. Can you share? Do you remember? Was it... it was it at the Emmy party? Yes, that is where we That's met. That's the first time mm-hmm. we met. Yeah. So it was like a uh, before the Emmys or night before the Emmys mm-hmm. or night after the Emmys or something <laughs> going into the Emmys. One of them parties. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I think I just kind of fangirled a little bit. You know, I'm pretty sure because I, you know, dear white people, like who wasn't watching that? Duh. <laughs> but I feel like especially as a dark skin girl Mm. like when you see yourself reflected in media and see other girls you know like I'm just I immediately like immediate latched onto your story latched onto you just Mm. like was just following everything and so then when we got to meet and you were actually cool and not like standoffish (laughs) it was it was great yeah Yeah, and I just feel like we've been connected ever since yeah we've always just been so supportive of one another and I really appreciate that because you no, know, no, seriously, it is nice to know when you out here in these streets, you know, that mm-hmm. you you got some people support that you, you have support, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that you have people that see you, yeah, yeah. I definitely. think it, I talk a lot about that on the podcast. Like it's so important to be and feel seen, and it's something that it's not until you're not seen that you you realize how how um, valuable that is. Yeah. All right. 
let's start at the beginning. <laughs> what did Wisconsin give you? Ooh, Wisconsin gave me a lot. Wisconsin gave me such a, you know, really good fertile ground. Um, I feel like I'm such a good mixture of like middle of America sort mm. of foundations. Um, I didn't get any kind of, you know, obnoxious accents or anything. Not that, <laughs> not that some of y'all got some obnoxious accents, but just saying <laughs> I appreciate the kind of... Um, and, you know, it, it, it allowed me to understand that a place like Wisconsin, when I told people I come from Wisconsin, they'd be like, mm -hmm. the black people in Wisconsin? And it allowed me to understand from the jump that there's a hood everywhere in America. And I grew up in the in one of the hoods mm. in Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, in Racine, Wisconsin, it was such a small town, but it was in between Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Chicago, Illinois. Oh. And so the thing about that is not only did I sneak away to both of those cities to do my dirt as soon as I got 16 and got a driver's license, <laughs> but Racine was a kind of a hideaway spot for a lot of drug and gang activity oh. in between the big cities. So as they were going back and forth doing whatever, yeah. Racine was like a good hot spot. So many times, you know, I had to go in the house very quickly um, because there were drive-by shootings in our neighborhoods um, very often. Mm. Um, you know, prostitution, drugs, like everything in our in our, in our neighborhood. So kind of navigating that space um you know, with two parents in my home um, who both worked, it was not easy. Mm. But one thing that I can always recognize is all of my privileges, meaning having access to academia and doing okay in academics, mm -hmm. having two parents in the home, yeah, having a vehicle to for whatever, you know, even though I couldn't do no extracurricular activities unless I could find my way to and from those mm -hmm. activities, <laughs> you know. So I count all of that um, as privileges, but I also understand gay, straight, trans, or whatever, we grew up in the same hoods. We grew up navigating a lot of the same issues. And so we have to understand that we our family, we are community, and we the only way we're going to actually get out of the circumstances that have been placed on our communities, on mm -hmm. us, is if we work together. Mm. Mm. Wow. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. When Tillamook ice cream beckons you to the freezer aisle, which irresistibly creamy flavor do you choose? While you're thinking, try not to fog up the glass. Tillamook ice cream, extraordinary dairy. I want to. I want to go back to that, but but before we get there, what what space, if any, did you have? 
and your youth to work out your identity? I had no space. Mm-hmm. I had no space. Um, I had no space. Everything was pushing me to do boy stuff, get dirty, go out and play in the dirt with the boys and blah, blah, blah. And I never wanted to because, one, I didn't like getting dirty. Two, you know, everybody could sniff, sniff me out. Mm-hmm. Like, and so why would I want to be out there when they could see that I was different and tease me because of it? So it's just like I had no protection. Um, usually my family joined in on the bullying. So it's like I usually my brothers were joining in on it or my mom was joining in mm-hmm. on it, you know, with my brother. It was just like a weird dynamic. Um, so... I did not have any space. It wasn't until I got to high school that I found friends that I could hang with. Um, My friend Fernanda, who is still my best friend to this day, Mm. um, she was one of the first people. We were in musicals together in middle school, and she was just one of the first people who kind of saw me and was able to, like, just accept me for who I was. Uh, Didn't have to put a label on it, you know. What did that look like? Do you remember, like, when you all first met? It Was looked it like she us, said. Well, it looked like us going to the local, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the local thrift stores, and me finally getting to buy things that I could afford mm-hmm. that would express who I was. And she kind of was there and helped me kind of not only see myself and pick out things, but she would take a camera. She had this camera. She would do photography. She still does photography. Mm. And I would model and she would do the photography. So she just like, just kind of like a kind of coaxed myself out of me. You know what I mean? Just start that that kind of beginning things of allowing myself to express and move in ways that weren't being judged. Yeah. I love that you guys are still still friends. Yes. Still friends. You hold on to a friend like that. Mm -hmm. So in growing up, you're talking about that, that, people maybe saw you but denied what they were seeing and or or maybe even poked fun at it and didn't make you feel good about it did you have anyone um other than fernanda uh maybe even maybe someone in your family that was an ally for you whether privately or allowed did was there anybody that was there for you and said hey Angelica, I do see you. And I love you. I I would say there there were two people who who most showed themselves as like kind of there and allies. There were more than that, but mm-hmm. like the two that I, you know, stick out to me is my grandmother. Mm. My grandmother, especially before she got saved, my grandmother like, you know, it just was cuss and just be you know <laughs> but she always would say uh you know who love you you know i know uh somebody love you and i know and I, there's i think there's a song i might be like pag labelle or something somebody loves you baby or mm-hmm. something yeah you know she's she'd always say you know somebody loves you and i know you know who it is it's your mm-hmm. grandma you know whatever and she always made it clear that no matter what she loved us i remember when i was really young I got this idea from watching cartoons. Um, I took a stick and put clothes, you know, like tied clothes onto a stick. Oh, to have over your back? Yeah. <laughs> Where were you going? <laughs> running away. Oh, got it. I was running away from home. 
um, and I ran away to my grandmother's house. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember her trying to protect me, but, you know, I just remember at that time too running away and I did have a history when I was young of running away a lot. Mm. Um, and it was just because I was so scared in my house, uh, to be honest. And, you know, my parent, my parents, they grew up in a time where, you know, their parenting style, including making sure your kids were fearful of you, you know, sort mm-hmm. of situation. And so I was, I was terrified. Um, and I wanted to run away. And it even matched, went with me into my nightmares where, uh, because my grandmother was such a great ally, she let us watch Michael Jackson's Thriller. And so we would all be laying on the carpet. And then as soon as the song started, we'd be coming up out of our grave. <laughs> and we would all be doing the, the choreography and everything. But I would have nightmares. Mm. And I would always have nightmares about being chased out of my home. Mm-hmm. And I would be, and it would always be the monsters in my home would be reflective of like my family. Yeah. And I would always wake up as I was like jumping over this cliff or something like that. Um, so, you know, for me growing up, I just felt like I was surrounded by people who I, who didn't support me, who, who I, who I feared for the most part. Mm-hmm. So there were, it was my grandmother and there was my aunt Geneva who passed away from cancer um, mm. several years ago. And she was a recording artist. She had a recording uh, contract with like Interscope Records with this girl group or whatever, but she had kids. And so like driving, just flying back and forth and trying to make it work. Yeah. I remember names of like 8Ball and MJG, 8Ball and something, some, some rappers that were around yeah. at that time. And um. She had a dream, you know, and so she was that one for me that reflected doing things different than working Mm. at the factory or, you know, doing the local thing or whatever. Um, Even though she didn't get to, like, ultimately live that full dream, one thing that I now move deeply in in my spiritual practice, because I'm a Nichiren Buddhist, and so when we chant, at the end of our chanting we have this space in which we kind of just kind of sing good vibes to the f- those who have passed away. Mm-hmm. And that the essence of who they are is reborn into an even better state or what have you. But um, I always like to think as well, the best way to honor someone is to take something about them and make it live on. Mm-hmm. So like my my aunt's passion for music lives on in me. I remember all the times that we duet it together and all the the moments that, you know, she shared with me and, and pushed me and, and affirmed me. I remember she was actually one who told me when I transitioned, um, listen, I love you. I just want you to be safe. So I understand that you're this is how you're living, but I'm telling you, Wear a baseball cap when you're driving at night. You do not want to be seen as a black woman driving at night. She wears a baseball cap. So this was how the things that she would tell me to be safe, to stay safe, is to... Mm. That's love. You know, it's not only is it love, but what I know is that I missed out on a lot more of what the women in my life could have shared with me that would have kept me safe along the way. Mm. Wow. And, you know, you you definitely are 
honoring her by living your dreams mm-hmm. in every way that you can, honoring your musical gifts. Absolutely. And the recording artist and you. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, so get us to when you were 17 and joined the Navy. I got to know how we got there. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we, we got there because, again, I was folding to the pressure, mm. you know. And so from the bullies at school to the messages at church to the messages in my own home was about don't be gay. And that's an abomination and it's a sin or you're possessed or it's a perversion or it's all these negative things. Mm-hmm. So I'll be damned if I didn't try every single thing. Yeah. I tried fasting. I tried prayer. I tried. I even tried it so much that I skipped lunch to whole Bible study. I was known mm-hmm. as a Bible thumper through through all throughout high school. Um, I tried to pray it away. I, I, I did so many things. Um and then I thought, the military. Mm. I thought, okay, maybe that'll straighten me out. Wow. I'll find a wife. Have some kids. Mm. You know, I could just, I was like, I want to be all that I can be. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be all I can be. Wow. So, <laughs> so like, so I tried and I went to the military that was not, I'll say this, it was not the best decision. But I will say that I love my life. Mm. I love my life. I love every chapter mm. of my life. Now, in hindsight, you know, I really, really do. Because... It says so much about me. It does. It says so much about our environment. Um, so there's a simultaneous story that is and isn't being told. And it is one where I am willing and able to work for my freedom, mm-hmm. to work for my place in this world to learn to be better and do better and communicate my value. But what I I learned is I'm willing to stand up just as I am today, as you people heard me all across my platform, whether I've been in Hollywood, out of Hollywood, adjacent, whatever, you hear me talking about bodily autonomy and abortion rights, Hmm. bodily autonomy with trans rights, white supremacy and the pushback on that, police brutality. You Mm. hear me talking about all of these things. Yeah. So I am willing to stand up for everyone. Mm -hmm. But as I graduated boot camp and finished the hour course long overnight obstacle course, going over barbed wire, crawling on her, shooting guns, jumping in the pools, taking off my pants, turning them into floating devices. Like after this very tough challenge that I passed, Mm. they were showing this video with the American flag and just what we should be proud of and protecting. And in that same moment, I just felt this sense of like sadness 
I felt so sad because I felt like I'm willing to protect a country that is not willing to protect me, mm-hmm. that is not willing to value my life as an American. And I had to sit, it just, I had to, that just, it was like a seed that was planted in me that I think now the ways in which things are blossoming for me are the same ways in which anyone else who has joined the military and then gone on to serve in politics Mm -hmm. understands what we're fighting for. Also understands what is being asked of people when they even join into the military and to understand the systems that are in play that advertise to black and brown communities that this is one of the ways out. I deserve life. Yeah. I deserve autonomy over my body. Mm -hmm. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive with artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. So I want to talk about um, what recently happened with you... um, calling out your experience working on American Horror Story 1984. Mm-hmm. Now that we're chatting, it actually is making... It made sense to me when I when I saw it, obviously. But now uh, I understand it even more. Because, because what I wanted to ask you was, what got you to the point of where you wanted to speak out publicly? Yeah. But now I realize... If you are someone who is in constant practice, who's in constant awareness of yourself, who is unafraid, then it wasn't at random. And it was not um, something you just woke up one morning and was like, I guess I'll get this off of my chest. It was everything you do, Angelic, I'm realizing, is purposeful. And the truth about that. Even when I know there's fire on the other side. Even when you know there's fire on the other side. And what I'm realizing, the truth about that is that that's the life that we all should be trying to live. A purposeful life. A life where everything is used. Nothing is wasted. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't regret the words that come out of my mouth because I intended for them to come out of my mouth. It's funny because, you know, whether I've learned to get comfortable doing podcasts, doing, uh, you know, media interviews where I have to do short form or whatever. Mm-hmm. I used to be so afraid of what would come out of my mouth. 
Um, and it wasn't because of me embellishing ever. It was always because I always knew that I would need to have the strength to deal with the conversation. What followed. Yeah. What follows. And so, you know, the reason why I chose to speak up on that one situation is because, honestly, oof, the timeline is just so tricky for people to understand. And I think that, so it's like, oh, when did she, why didn't she speak up soon? You know, it's always like, when did she, you have to understand that, Number one, for me to be speaking up now, I already processed the hurt. I processed the fire. And now you just see me wielding the fire without it burning me up. I'm not in a space where I would just say and do anything to just whatever. No, I set this environment intentionally and I know exactly what I'm doing. I don't give a damn about whoever feels any kind of way about it will not offer me a job. Ooh, you mm. understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm, that's not any of my focus. What it was, was I have an agent, I have a manager, I had a publicist, you know, all these th things. And actually, I should say I had a manager because I like end up letting my almost my entire team go. Mm -hmm. And um, after this? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, but and it was a gradual process, you know, and it was me having very honest conversations with everyone on my team about how I felt. Um See, people, people out there like, oh, well, if Marvel will call, shoot, you just going to have to, uh, I, why ain't she just taking and see what happens and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, my agent is telling me that they could sue us if I uh, say that I'm available for a job and then they call me back for American Horror Story and I'm in first position in, uh, by contract. I'm always someone, again, who's trying to use what I have mm -hmm. and what I'm given to create more. And so from Pose, then to American Horror Story, I went on to 1984. Then from 1984 and having that situation on set where this guy was wearing racist T-shirts and telling him about this, I figured, I, and him not only cussing me out to begin with, to start with, but then coming around and saying, actually, I want to be your biggest champion. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be an example of, stuff that we could build on then when i got to season 10 and i w uh, was the chemist making pills and people were you know and i end up being an alien in the second part but i think the chemist ended up making pills and there was a storyline where she gave pills to the cops racist cops so there was a storyline in there that was kind of address addressing white supremacy and cop um, police brutality and i did not write that or come up with that they did. So I was like, wow, Ryan Murphy's really about that life. Mm -hmm. So as I'm sitting, like, so I email Ryan while we're getting ready for this season 10. And I said, hey, I hear that the second half is going to have aliens. I, if, hey, if you don't know what are you doing with me yet, um, I'd love to be an alien. And I say, yeah, because I knew I was already under contract. So whether they put me in or not, I was getting paid. Mm -hmm. I was going to get paid per episode. I forget what they call that, but I was I was going to get paid. So it was to their advantage to use me. Yeah. So they used me for that. He's like, hey, he sent me an email saying, hey, Angelica, I, I turned you to an alien. I hope you're happy. You know, I hope you love her, you know. And so I did the alien. Then I emailed Ryan or talked to him about doing a, 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 
a all black American horror story season. Mm. Um, now, again, a lot of people have stories around how this happened. This is how this happened. Um, a fan on Twitter a while back was like uh, pointing out the fact that there's not usually a bunch of us in the American Horror Story seasons. It's usually one or two, mm-hmm. you know, and it would be great to have more uh, uh, more of us in the season. So that's what I went to Ryan Murphy saying, well, what if we did an all black American Horror Story season? Um, I know later uh, I was talking to T.S. Madison about it as well. And she was like, well, you know, we should do the Black Witches and blah, 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 whatever. I didn't even get a chance to talk to him yet about what the theme would be. It was just let's do an all black American Horror Story season. So he told me, he emailed me and let me know. Remember that July of 2020. Remember that um, idea that you had. We're doing it. We're going to get a writer's thing together in the fall. So to understand the timeline of this is to understand that we were, we had spent way too many months shooting season 10 of American Horror Story. We were now into July where we should have been done a long time ago. Mm -hmm. We had started in January or something like that. So now we're into July. I'm still filming. So then I think um, I get an email saying, not only are we doing that writer's room, this is July, I'm still filming. So I want to say that we end up finishing filming. I think I finished in like November. I might have finished in like November. It got late. It mm-hmm. was like a late fall thing. We went way over. So because of that fact, they originally said we were going to finish season 10. And two weeks later, we were going to start filming season 11, which would have been this all black American horror story season. Mm-hmm. I'm literally sitting in my alien costume, watching the director talking to one of the girls on set or whatever about the next season. And she was like, do you know what it is? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, I can't really say. He's like, but, you know, I think it's going in a different direction, so I probably won't be directing. He's a white director. Mm-hmm. So he kind of looks at me. I'm like, yeah, I know about it, blah, 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 whatever. Directors have been notified. Writings rooms have been created. I, t- I was told scripts had been created. Mm. Two weeks turned into a month. We're going to give like a month, a month and a half. We he, Ryan needs a break because he's got so many shows going on. covid Molly whopped every one of them. So doing production on all the shows was a task. Two months turned into the beginning of next year. Mm. But I'm on hold to still do this. The 2020 email that happened, happened before I started shooting, I want to say American season 10. Because basically... The timeline is so wonky that... Because some of 2020 was out anyway because we were locked down. Correct, correct. So so I want to say basically 2021 is when we filmed season 10. As we're about to finish, everything got put... The timeline is so wacky because basically I'm now... We're on hold. For 11. That happened to a lot of people, yeah. So for season 11, it was a... So basically the email that folks saw that I put out that was February of 20... I think it was February of 2022 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Saying, hey, not sure if we decided what the theme is going to be, but if it's still going to be all black, I would love to be considered as a producer. I think Mm -hmm. I could add a lot to the plate and blah, blah, blah. That's when I didn't find out until that March that I wasn't coming back at all. 
And so Ryan Murphy, who totes us out as the trans people, he's helped, loves, helps, respects, this, that, and the third, whatever. We're friends that, you know, whatever is the perception. But I don't get a phone call, an email, nothing within that whole time to let me know. Even though I had been calling business affairs because Marvel was calling at the time. I had auditioned for Marvel for three years. And finally they were like, okay, we've got something for you. What's your availability? Are you available for these dates to shoot? Mm. Um, and I kept calling. They, and when I called in the beginning, they said, as far as we know, you're still going back. Mm. So they were basically telling me, I can't say that I'm available because I would be breaking the contract. Yeah. So I'm being led up into the moment Mm -hmm. and then being told I don't have a job and then Marvel's gone. And so now the only thing I had through that year was obviously my brand deals and different things I do with that and playing Roxy Hart on Broadway in Chicago. And I just made the most out of, you know, my opportunities in that year. But instead of complaining about it, then my team and I think rightfully so was like your energy will be best suited pouring into these opportunities right now. You don't want to bring negative, like Mm -hmm. you got to find, we got to figure out what your next job is, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like it's Ryan Murphy. What are you going to say? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. But then to watch Ryan Murphy, you know, what is happening right now is a little bit of a tussle between a butch queen and a femme queen. Mm. And it's a situation where I don't like when someone has a narrative and they're putting forth the narrative that they're this type of person and they are this kind of person while also turning a knife in someone's back behind the scenes that no one sees. Yeah. So as I'm being replaced on American Horror Story, again, in the sense of I have a contract that I'm under, you know, that they could utilize or pick up the option for. And I was just like, actually, I'm not going to be quiet about this. Mm. Because at the very least, it's respect. Stuff changes all the time. Mm -hmm. But you disrespected me. And not only did you disrespect me, to me, I basically feel like you basically said F you to me without being able to say it to myself, pick up the phone, or send an email. Mm. So I'm going to let you know I'm that girl. I can definitely say it to your face. I can say it at any time, any place you want um, because I stand behind everything I say and do. Mm-hmm. Like everything I say and do, you can uh, you can know that what I'm telling you in my experience, when I spoke about, about the Emma Roberts situation, it wasn't about her. Mm. It's not even just about her. It's about the fact that you're a black woman on set. And there are so many white actors, white women actors who want to compare themselves to the struggle of your or you being a black woman actor like y'all just women Mm -hmm. in this together when there's a lot of white women taking up space and being violent about how they're taking up that space. Yeah. So I want to call that to the table and talk about how Hollywood continues to empower problematic people or people who seem to be divas or all this kind of stuff or whatever. When it's folks like myself that they want to make sure don't get lifted too high. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I think I deserve respect. I think I deserve some of the basic things. How dare I? Yeah. The audacity. Well, so so you've, you know, for lack of a better term, raged against the machine. That's what you're doing. Uh, what 
what have you been experiencing on the other side of this? Like you said, you you know you know you no longer have your team anymore. Uh, I know we're, we're pivoting to politics. You've officially announced that you are leaving Hollywood after you know you know. For me, reading that, it made me sad because you're so important and you're so special and you're so talented. And I love seeing you on my TV screen and you represent so much. I know how I know how many people around the world feel seen because they see you on our television screens. But now sitting here with you, I realized that it's the essence of who you are that does that. And if it's the essence and not the characters you play, then you can do that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know how purpose-led you are, so I know that it is not by happenstance that you are pivoting in this way because the work that you are that that's important that you do now, you need to do in that space. But I, I'm just honest about my feelings about it. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, just going back to, like, how how is it, what has been, for lack of a better term, the fallout of it and, and how has it made you feel? Um, well, I, you know, it's interesting because I don't know what the fallout is or mm. has been because I'm not focused on the fallout. Yeah. Uh, so much so that those friends who are falling to the side, who aren't checking on me, who aren't showing solidarity in public, totally cool because there are people who are. And so it's it's totally okay. You know what yeah. I mean? All of it's okay because I understand everybody's moving to the best of their ability and what they know and don't know. Yeah. But what I know is I get a lot of private texts. I have a lot of texts from a lot of people who are saying how brave I am. Mm-hmm. I have text messages from people who worked in Ryan Murphy land who are like, thank you for speaking up. I've had a bad experience too. You know, I've, I've, I've had several people reach out to me on that aspect um, and have told me their horror stories or what have you. And so I've, I think it has made other people feel like maybe they don't have to mm-hmm. accept just accept yeah. what they the treatment and the and the situations. Um, I've seen a outpouring of love, oh my goodness, from not only community members, but just black people who get it, who understand what I'm really doing. And they're like, oh, like LGBTQ aside and all the things, this is someone who is recognizing their value beyond any outside opportunity anyone could hand me or give me. Everywhere that I go, I, I it's a value lesson. You learn your value. And either you get stuck in a place because somehow you've been convinced that the value is not in you. It's in this job. It's mm. in this place. It's in your position in Hollywood. And that's what infuriated me the most because I thought... Shame on me, though. But I thought that I was being seen. I thought they saw how powerful I I am. Mm -hmm. If you put me on your project, not only will I do the job of acting, but I'll bring something profound to the space and table. I will uplift not only the narrative, but when we then go on to tour and talk about it, I'll contextualize it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
about what this means for our society. Yeah. To think that you could co-opt my body like just an actor in a... Mm. Move here, go there, action, do this, do that. Now mm. don't now cut. Now don't say too much. Don't talk too much about this. You want to keep a job, so don't get too radical. I've been told by even people in my own community who help open up doors told me years ago, don't slow down. Don't be too radical in this space. So to be real, I've been metering myself for a minute. Mm-hmm. For a minute. So much so that I had got to a place where I was starting to get depressed because I didn't feel like I was could fully be myself in Hollywood and in these spaces. There were things that I cared about that other people did not care about. Or just, I don't want to use my platform for that. Mm-hmm. There were certain people who did not know how to use their power. Like, I know how to use my power. And were expecting me to exchange my power for privilege. When I know how to turn privilege into power. Mm. That's good. You know, so this whole thing, I'm so excited. I'm so excited because that thing looks so big to y'all. Mm. That looks like the dream. That looks like. How could you give it up? Baby, because I know, I know on the other side of the challenge that I'm going through right now is something even more even greater than I could even imagine. Mm. And not only that, but I will be feeling like I'm being actually used for the purpose that I was intended to be used for. Yes. For the unscripted changing of our culture. Because mm. what I realize is whether you're in Hollywood or Washington, D.C., it's either musical theater or political theater. You mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? And so I know how to play this game. Yeah. Well, Angelica, what has been your takeaway from our conversation today? My takeaway is just how important it is to see and be seen um, and to amplify the voices of those who are daring to tell the tale are daring to speak up. Not everybody knows how. Not everybody knows when. Not everybody knows how much. Mm -hmm. um, but what I, what I take away from this is do what you can. Mm, do what you can. My takeaway, I actually have a couple. <laughs> I have to share them all. <laughs> but one of them is to... Uh, Remember that nothing's more important than my essence. Nothing. No no title that I have, no job that I have. Um, who I am, what you feel when you're with me, what you take away from being with me is not only what's most important, but what will be left of me when my physical is no longer here. And, mm -hmm. and that is, is so important. Um, my other takeaway is the reminder that Everything is used and nothing is wasted. Like, 
even the really hard times, the really beautiful times, of course, but like, I don't ever want to experience something in my life and say, why did that happen? Because I know that that everything happens for a reason and that it'll all make sense one day. I just have to keep making sure that I'm putting one foot in front of the other and that I'm in alignment with my purpose. It's funny you say that because I do have a podcast launching in January mm. called No Opportunity Wasted Now. Um, and it just literally is about... Just focus on making the most out of life's opportunities and challenges. Yes. It doesn't always have to be big. It can be in a small moment, but just understand that inaction, denial, fear, all of these things don't serve us as much as the courage to mm. actually be present and to respond and to feel the moment. Like our culture is just so focus on numbing ourselves through a lot of this stuff and inner you know but we have to we have to have the courage yeah wow you're a gift angelica thank i'm you. so, so happy you. you're in my thank life thank you thank you i honor you thank you i cherish you you matter i see you you're important to me to all your friends <laughs> I am on my podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, I'll look to camera too. She's important to me. I see her and she's everything. Thank you. I love you, sis. Thank I you. I love you too. Thank you. We did it. Mm-hmm. We finally did it. <laughs> I know. This is great. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Our managing producer is Fatima Al-Swiffy. Shanice Tindall is our lead producer. Associate producer is Mona Hassan. Jordan Thompson is our marketing coordinator. This episode was mixed by Trin Lightburn. Michelle Baker is our video editor. This episode was recorded at Spotify Studios LA. Promotional consideration, products and services furnished by Spotify. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you did, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive with artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.